Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. The witness spotted a strange entity moving through the forest. We saw a figure walking, long legs and arms, thin. He's tall and wears a suit of black, dressed like the perfect You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic. Unconceivable, unbelievable. Unidentified flying objects. I want to Welcome to the I Want to Believe podcast. I'm No More Slavic. I'm Kyle Sawyer. What lurks in the dark may be taller than you think. I think. But first, a quick reminder that all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are in the show notes. Also, you can watch my documentary, Otherworldly and More, on Amazon Prime right now. DVDs are available. Check the show notes for links. All right. The Night Walker's coming. Let's go take a look. So this episode's story is courtesy of Adam Benedict from the Pine Barrens Institute website. The setting, Wisconsin. The year, 1962. Two men decide to embark on a journey that will take them around their beloved state to write a book containing folklore, ghost stories, and legends. As Benedict puts it, these men want to quote, collect folklore stories and homespun wisdom from almost anyone who would talk to them. They were compelled to collect and preserve these stories for future generations and to not lose those rare tales that only existed in out-of-the-way communities to the ever-ticking clock of time. Here, here. First of all, well said. Second, I definitely think you and I are doing the exact same thing with our podcast. I also feel that I do that with my books and documentaries. It is a privilege to cover these types of stories, and I've always maintained that a big part of doing what we do is for historical record to make sure these stories continue to get told. Anyways. I totally agree, and the Pine Barrens Institute is doing great work for the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Benedict also wrote, quote, Here at the Pine Barrens Institute, we are always on the lookout for the most bizarre and obscure folklore the state of Wisconsin has to offer. We want the stuff that nobody has ever heard of, the homespun stories and legends that you just can't stop thinking about after you're done reading them. We want the weird the spooky, and the only told once and never again kind of stories that make you realize just how interesting the Midwest truly is. Again, very well said, and I definitely think that this podcast and your work is representative of the sentiment. Yeah, man, but let's get into this book a bit more that Benedict is talking about. He continues, The book is called Wisconsin Lore, and it was written in 1962 by Robert Gard and Leland George Sorden. What makes this book extremely special is the fact that the entire thing was written almost verbatim, direct from the mouths of over 200 residents of the Badger State. Gard and Sorden took it upon themselves to travel the state with a tape recorder. That's very cool. This is very cool. 
Benedict continues, it may seem easy now to preserve stories like ones in this book, what with the rise of social media and instantaneous digital storage and backup, but back in the day, the only way you could get information like this was to actually get out there and talk to people. You needed to ask the questions face to face and needed to be willing to sit and listen to the answers you were given. Some of these stories existed only in writings that were tucked away in dusty drawers or forgotten journals. Others were more widely known and existed throughout the entire state, and only a few survived in the memories of the elderly who had once heard them as children and had nobody left to share them with. This book is not just 360 pages filled with random quotes and stories, it is a time capsule for all those who are interested in the history of Wisconsin. The stories in the book range from the comical to the serious, from hard-hitting life lessons to simple words of wisdom, from uplifting to the downright spooky. And it is that last category, the spooky one, that we will be showcasing today. I like them spooky ones. <laughs> Me too, buddy. And as you know, when I go out and interview people, write and document witness stories, I always do my best to get the witness to let me use their name. It doesn't always work out, and, and that's okay. It's definitely up to the witness, and it's never uh, smart or kind to pressure them. But sometimes in my research, and Benedict is, is a victim to this as well, you find a story, but there's not a whole lot to go on. No names, no exact time frame or location, and that is exactly what occurred with the Nightwalker story. Benedict wrote, Guard and Sorden did their best to document the places these stories came from, as well as the names of the storytellers whom they talked to, but sometimes there isn't a name or a place to document. Sometimes the story just exists within the border of the state itself, unable to be traced back to its origin point or first telling. It is as mysterious as its subject matter. Fair enough. I mean, sometimes you can only find what you can find. Uh, but I would like to finally get into the actual story that we've been dancing around here. We would like to share the story in its entirety, the exact words, just as Benedict did on his site and as the author's garden sword and did in their book. Okay, I'm excited, buddy. All right, well, here goes. When most of the men of the northern settlements went to the lumber camps every fall and were away till late spring, the women and children were left alone during the winter. One winter, a person of fabulous height, enveloped in a long black cape, walked through a street of West Algoma every night at midnight, continuing on past the end of the sidewalk and on into the blackness. He walked with a slow, measured tread, and apparently with the aid of a cane. He walked for exactly one and a half hours, and never varied the time of his coming or departure. One of the older boys of the village chanced upon him one night. The boy was terrified, of course, beyond the fact that the face was absolutely colorless and had no expression whatsoever. The boy was unable to describe him. His appearance must have been bizarre in the extreme because no one in the entire settlement slept at night until he had come and gone and not a soul in all West Algoma offered to interfere with him or investigate him in any way. When the men returned in the spring, his perambulation ceased and he never returned. And that's it. That's the whole story? It is, but it's creepy. Dare say unsettling. Like, let's break it down a little. First off, I love how this Nightwalker is described as, quote, a person of fabulous height. Due to the creepy nature of the rest of the description, you know, slow, methodical walk, every night he's wearing a black cape using a cane, it kind of reminds me of the Crooked Man legend, which was brought into the mainstream with the Conjuring Part 2 movie. Uh, that's what I pictured anyways when you read the story. It did remind me of one other thing that I'll tell you in a sec. 
but what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's somebody that they just randomly in their town. No idea who this person is. Apparently super tall. Walking around at midnight. Creepy, man. It's creepy. Like, I'd be, I'd be a little freaked out by that, but I'd also be very curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, here's what Benedict had to say about the story. Quote, there is enough to lay the groundwork for a good mystery, and that is what we love about this story. So what was this thing that went on to be known as the Lanky Nightwalker? Was it some sort of terrible ghoul or wraith? Maybe it was a reaper looking for the souls of those who had passed in the freezing night? Could have possibly been some sort of ghostly entity associated with the cold winter that had engulfed the town? Or perhaps it was something as mundane as a normal man with facial deformities who just enjoyed walking at night because he knew he wouldn't be bothered at that time. When it comes down to it, we may never know, and that's as equally frustrating as it is fascinating. This guy Benedict's a pretty good writer, and all of his possible theories are interesting. But what else were you going to say it reminded you of? Yeah, uh, agreed on both of those. But yeah, it also reminded me of a story my mother used to tell me. When we lived in northern Maine, my mother worked at a nursing home. She said that the place was haunted and uh, that a lot of the nurses experienced weird things. She told me that they always knew when one of their patients was going to pass away. So, of course, I'm sitting there all wide-eyed and I'm like, how, mama? And she would say, well, a man would visit them. He would only come late at night. He would be dressed to the nines, top hat, black suit, white gloves, and a cane. He looked elderly, and when he would visit, he wouldn't talk to anyone. If you tried to speak with him, he'd just pay you no mind and keep walking to where he was supposed to go. I remember asking her if she tried to talk to him. She said, I don't work overnights too often, but I did see him once. I was too scared to talk to him. Anyways, my mom said that he would walk into the room of a patient and disappear. She said that one of her co-workers who didn't know about him walked right in the room after him to tell him that visiting hours were over and that he would have to leave. When she walked in, he wasn't there. Anytime someone saw him visit a patient, that patient would pass away within a week. And that's pretty much everything I can remember about that. But yeah, the Nightwalker also reminded me of that nursing home fella. That's creepy too. Yeah, yeah. But as we've already stated, that was a very short story about the, the lanky Nightwalker. And I really liked uh, Benedict's uh, appreciation of how that story was found. You know, I, 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 I just think it's a really cool process. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and kudos to them for going around and and making sure that this information is is saved you know I mean, yeah yeah love always hearing those stories from people yeah absolutely i completely agree and and that's everything that we've got on the lanky nightwalker you, you got anything else no i think that about wraps it up uh, as we always say don't fear the reaper and we'll be coming back to you next time <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time until next time okay Super awkward. How how do you have audio on me? Do you have me bugged or something?
Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.